What's up, guys? This is Jacques, and welcome to a bonus episode of Politically Incorrect. I know I'm supposed to be on a break, and I made a really big deal about it last week, saying that I wouldn't be here, but I couldn't stay away, so I'm doing a little bonus mini-episode. I ended up having more free time than I anticipated because my family plans fell through because of COVID, so here I am. This episode's going to be a little bit more personal. I'm not spilling any tea. I mean, at least no tea about the housewives. Uh, Maybe some tea about myself, though. And I'm going to actually respond to my first ever negative review. But before I do that, I hope everyone had a great Christmas. I did not. I felt like the Grinch this year, honestly. (laughs) I had to work all day on Christmas, and I just didn't feel holiday vibes at all. I didn't listen to one Christmas song. Uh, You know, usually I've got the the Kelly Clarkson, and who else do I listen to? She and him, Zoe, Zoe Deschanel or whatever her name is. You know, the actress, she has like an indie band. They have a really, really good Christmas album. I listen to that. I actually don't do the Mariah Carey Christmas thing that much, to be honest. It's not really my vibe. But anyway, I didn't listen to any Christmas music. And even on Christmas Eve, I didn't even realize that it was Christmas Eve until that afternoon. I was like, oh, what? It's Christmas tomorrow? I mean, I was just so out of it. I've been so distracted with like COVID and work and, you know, focusing on the podcast and just the entire holiday season has been a bit of a big nothing for me, especially with like, I work from home now. So the days, you know, things aren't as as structured as they were before. So you kind of like don't notice these things as much because things get a little bit samey. I also usually watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas. I didn't do that. And I also watch a lot of Christmas horror movies usually because I'm a weirdo. I didn't do that either. What I did start watching is 90 Day Fiancé again because I'm trying to catch up. I'm like 50 seasons behind. It is such a great franchise, but there's so much filler in every episode. And then you've got like the spinoffs as well. I think there's There's actually more than 10 spinoffs, I would say. I'm not exaggerating. It's just, it's too much. Like, you could trim each episode, I reckon, easily by about a third of the content and they'll be better and punchier and they wouldn't drag it out. Like, I was talking about this with my friend and he goes, yeah, there's literally about four hours just to see someone, like, get on a plane. It's way too much. It's more than, like, Days of Our Lives and The Young and the Restless. But, I mean, it's such a, you know, lucrative franchise for TLC that they just stretch everything out to sell ad space. So, I don't know. I mean, it's working. It's, like, the highest rated thing on TV. You know it's bigger than Housewives, right? And TLC is bigger than Bravo now. Actually, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the highest rated show on Bravo now is Below Deck. So, I guess I got on the Below Deck train um, right in time. <laughs> I just actually put up a poll on my Instagram asking if you want me to cover 90 Day next year on the pod, and most of you actually said no. Like, the overwhelming majority so far on that poll is a big no. I was kind of surprised considering how popular it is, because I feel like everyone watches 90 Day now, but I guess a lot of Housewives viewers still don't care about TLC shows. I mean, reality fans do get in their little bubbles a bit. It's like, if you watch TLC, you don't really watch Bravo, and if you watch Bravo, you don't watch TLC. Also, here in Australia, it's almost impossible to get, like, up-to-date episodes of 90 Day. I mean, we have some of the older seasons here, but the spin-offs are nowhere to be found. And, you know, my Australian listeners probably aren't really even that familiar with 90 Day, except for, you know, viral videos of Mr. Ed. Not Mr. Ed. um, Big Ed. Big Ed on Facebook. So, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty good at illegal downloading, and even I can't find a lot of the episodes. Yesterday, I was trying to find an episode of... 
uh, you know, whichever season I'm up to. And I think I spent about an hour going through like torrent sites just to get one episode because I'm really anal about watching everything in order and not missing anything. So, yeah, look, unless you all change your mind, uh, I probably will stay away from 90 Day unless I, I don't know, maybe some like little bite-sized recaps here and there about any of the crazy characters that I think people will like, you know, regardless if you watch or not. Sometimes they do have those people like, you know, Big Ed and stuff that it's just sort of everyone is aware of, even if they're not watching the show. By the way, you know, I tried to get on 90 Day. Well, I tried to get on before the 90 Days. I actually spoke to producers and everything, but my quote-unquote fiancés kept pulling out. <laughs> I really actually liked these guys too. Like, there were guys that I chatted to online. Like, one of them was a friend that I've had for a really long time that I've always had a crush on. And some other guys were, you know, guys that I vibed with. And I was like, you know, I would date these people in real life. So... And, you know, obviously I wanted to be on 90 Day Fiancé too. So it's, you know, two things. I want the guy and I want to get on TV. But, um, yeah, I liked the guys. And they would all say yes um, when I would ask about a supplying. And then when I would apply and the producers would reach out and be like, oh, my God, we want to talk to you. Then they'll chicken out. I think they just assumed that, like, we wouldn't get on or there would be no interest. So they would say yes. And then as soon as it's like they realize it could be real, they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's not something I want to do. <laughs> I was like, um, am I that undesirable that you would turn down being on the biggest show on TV just to not have to date me? Is that how fucking bad, is that how bad I am? But I mean, to be fair, I'm used to being in media, so this stuff isn't weird for me. Whereas I guess for, you know, the normies, um, I can see why it would be a bit much. And, you know, it's not exactly the best show to be on. I mean, it's very popular, but it's pretty trashy. So I don't know. Anyway, I guess guess it's not going to happen for me. There is still one guy that I like and I would do it with, but I fucking refuse to beg him and ask again. I mean, I have some dignity. So yeah, I guess that's just not going to happen. <laughs> so as I said before, I got my very first negative podcast review and I'm actually really excited about it. I am surprised that it took 10 episodes to get a bad review, to be honest. I was expecting to be one starred from the jump. Like before I started this show, I was thinking, oh my God, people are going to hate me. I'm going to have like the worst reviews. People are going to be so mean because I'm used to getting bullied by the Housewives fans on Twitter. So I expected that from the podcast, but it's actually been really positive from everybody. So I'm going to break down this negative review. And I will say, first of all, that they wrote this from actually a good faith place. They weren't just being a hater. They actually still gave me three stars, which is incredible, um, considering the fact that in the review they call me <laughs> a racist transphobe. So the fact that someone took the time out and they kind of wrote constructive criticism, I mean, obviously I don't agree with what they said and I'm going to respond to it, but I could tell that it was coming from a good place as opposed to someone just like leaving a rage review and one starring me over something minor, because that's usually what bad reviews on podcasts are like. I don't know if you ever read the reviews on people's podcasts, but when you look at the one stars, it's usually over something so small, like you mispronounced a word or, you know, you defended this celebrity that I hate. Like, I mean, something so small will trigger someone to just leave a rage review and just scathing. So... I really appreciate that this person, even though they called me a racist, still gave me three stars and they were sort of like trying to be constructive. So, you know, I'll respond to it fairly. Now, trigger warning, to be honest, my response might get a little political because, I mean, you know, the things that the person said about me I need to respond to properly. And I do try my best not to get too political on here, at least as far as talking about like specific politicians or specific 
you know, ideological sides and stuff like that, because I've actually had really nice messages from listeners who have said, oh, you know, I love that you're not like preaching, you don't over-politicize all of these, you know, fun things like the housewives. And I've had people go, you know, I'm a conservative and I'm so glad that I can actually listen to your show without feeling attacked, which I love hearing that feedback because I'm not conservative. But my goal with this is I want us to all sort of be able to relate to broader topics because, you know, we do have more things in common than we have differences. So if I'm reaching like a conservative that isn't my political beliefs and they can still relate to what I'm saying and get it, like I take that as a huge compliment. And, you know, I don't want to... You know, I don't want to offend the conservatives, just like I don't want to offend the, you know, the lefties or anything. I want us all to just be able to relate and connect. So I'm kind of careful about where I go with political stuff on the podcast, but I might have to get a little bit political while I'm responding to this negative review. So I'm just warning you, if that's something you don't want to hear and you're just like, oh my God, not another one of these fucking Bravo reality podcasts getting political, feel free to like turn it off and come back next week when I'm back with the pretty messy housewives interview i mean i haven't recorded it yet but i know it's going to be messy (laughs) it's with someone who's like pretty iconic in the housewives universe and pretty polarizing so i'm really excited for everyone to hear that one so let's get into my negative review which actually starts on a pretty positive note to be honest so the person writes i like the content about the housewives it's really gritty and funny and i like how dry and bitter you are but you come across as a bit tone deaf First of all, uh, thank you for liking the Housewives content and for thinking I'm funny and liking how dry and bitter I am. Uh, I'm glad that that comes across in the way that I want it to, because it's not like I want to come on here and be some fucking Debbie Downer, like a big drainer to listen to. So I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, As far as me being tone deaf, I mean, maybe. At first I was like, yeah, I probably am tone deaf. But then I was like, actually, I'm really aware of what I say on here and how it can be perceived. And I'm always adding qualifiers to everything. And Sometimes when I have been recording, I'm like, God, you know, do you really need to over-explain everything like this and add in, you know, I support this, I support that, this is really great, and, you know, putting in all these things around, you know, cushioning what I'm saying with that, because I wouldn't do that in real life. I would just be way more off the cuff, because the people I'm talking to in real life obviously know me well, and they know where I stand and how I feel on things, but... Then I remember, you know what, this is a podcast, I am new, people listening don't know me, so I kind of do need to spell things out a bit so people can kind of be more aware of where I stand on things and not uh, read into things in a negative way, because unfortunately, you know, that's what people do, and you don't want to give somebody a soundbite that they can take and then, you know, twist what you said out of context, so I am, am always, like, very aware of what I'm saying, so I don't know if I really am tone deaf, to be honest. Okay, so the review continues. You are ignorant when it comes to racism slash trans issues, and it's obvious that you really think you aren't. Yeah, well, I don't think that I am, so (laughs) I don't think I'm ignorant at all. Actually, I think I'm like one of the wokest people around, to be honest. It's just that when it comes to these issues, right, like, I'll go in on the race stuff first. So when it comes to this stuff, I just don't prioritize people being offended over what the Real Housewives did. You know, I don't care about what some moron on Twitter is saying 
you know, about Kylie Jenner braiding her hair and they think that she's racist because of it. And, you know, Kim Kardashian was too tanned in her latest fashion ad. So now we think it's blackface, even though it obviously isn't. And we're freaking out and spinning out. Like, what I care about is what the politicians are doing and like structural issues and educating myself on, you know, defund the police and BLM and reparations, like real shit. Outside of the reality TV world that I love. You know, I personally spend hours every day listening to, you know, far lefty progressive podcasts and YouTube shows that are way outside the mainstream media, um, definitely far to the left of what is in the mainstream. And trust me, nobody on those pods is talking about what the Real Housewives of OC did. The conversations that I'm interested in, are, um, for example, like you just had the biggest racial justice movement in America since like the 1960s civil rights movement. And in America, they couldn't even run one candidate in the presidential election that doesn't have a history of racism or writing and enforcing racist policies. That's a concern to me. One of the issues that I kind of have with, I guess, society in general or even maybe I should say the conversation that happens in pop culture or happens in the mainstream is that we get caught up in being outraged over, you know, what Kelly Dodd water her baby shower instead of what the world's most powerful people are doing. That's where my mind is. So it's not that I'm ignorant to race issues. I just care about like substantial things. I'm not freaking out over Kylie Jenner braiding her hair. And that's not to say that there isn't a place for critiquing problematic behavior in pop culture. Like, of course there is, but there's already a hundred podcasts doing that. So do I really need to come out as a new podcaster and be podcast number 101 that's complaining about Stasi every week? I mean, come on, like who really wants to hear that? And when it comes to the race issues, I actually think there's like better podcasters doing it than I am. There are like black podcasters like Mixing with Marnie and what else is going on with Taria S and they do a better job than me and they can actually speak about race from the experience of being black in America, which I think holds more weight than what I can say on it. So, you know, in a way I kind of like clear the floor and I let them handle that because I do want to give different perspectives and different opinions on things. Like, for me personally, I find critiquing somebody like Bronwyn from The Real Housewives of OC more interesting than a Kelly Dodd because someone like Kelly Dodd is so overt with her, you know, problematic views. Whereas someone like Bronwyn, she kind of hides behind this perfectly curated, you know, Instagram page and image and walks around in her Smash the Patriarchy t-shirts and, you know, goes to the BLM marches with her professional photographer to get the perfect shot for social media. And she behaves as if she's morally superior to everybody when in reality, like, she would probably step over a homeless person on the sidewalk while waving a rainbow flag. So that to me is way more interesting than just the obvious, you know, Kelly Dodd blurting out something that she saw on Fox News. And also, side note, I like talking about classism and elitism and, you know, American liberal hypocrisy. That's kind of my jam. So I, you know, I lean into that. It gets under my skin more because it's not that like what Bronwyn does is worse than what, you know, Elizabeth Vargas or Kelly Dodd does or whatever, name any offensive bravo liberty it's not like Brahman is so much worse it's just there's like a smugness to it that gets under my skin more and annoys me more so i kind of like to focus on that and no one really talks about classism and elitism and stuff in this 
you know, little reality TV podcast area that we're in. So I try to bring that to the table a bit more. And just for the record, I will state, I have said that I support BLM on the pod multiple times. And I've said that it's important to platform black voices. You know, I had Carlos King on, who was the first black showrunner at Bravo. And I asked him questions about race in reality TV. So it's not like I ignore race on the podcast just because I'm not constantly triggered every three seconds by Kelly Dodds. So to say that I'm like ignorant on race issues is total BS. All right, the next part of the review is your white male privilege is shining and unapologetic in each episode and you're so obsessed with thinking that everything is cancel culture that you don't actually see that, yes, it is racism sometimes and that racist remarks and transphobic remarks are never okay. Um, The white male privilege thing is funny because of how I grew up. You know, I didn't grow up with money. I grew up being like the only gay person in my town. I definitely dealt with bullying from it and sort of being ostracized for that and now where we are in society, like, no one cares that you're gay. Like, if you're gay, it's like a non-factor. Like, you just get lumped in with the white men. So, I guess I am privileged beyond the fact that I'm constantly attacked on social media for being a white male. <laughs> so, whatever, I'll I'll take that white white privilege, sure. The cancel culture thing, that actually is a fair criticism. Now, I have purposely leaned into cancel culture topics on the podcast because I did notice that a lot of other shows weren't doing that at all. And, you know, I do hate cancel culture and I know that a lot of people out there do. So I kind of wanted to give that a voice because it is a bit underrepresented. And I think that a lot of us are sick of the cancel culture stuff. With that said, you know, I don't want to come off like some myopic old man on the lawn shouting that everything is cancel culture. I know that type of person very well. Like, I do see that kind of person that it's like, no matter how offensive or racist or problematic something you say is that they'll go, oh, that's just cancel culture, shut up. And it's like, no, this actually was racist. So, you know, I don't want to come off like that. Um, I could understand with the fact that I have leaned into it, how you could perceive me like that. I mean, I definitely don't think everything's cancel culture, but I get that. So, I don't know. I mean, I do have some more people coming on sort of plan that are going to talk about some of the cancel culture stuff, but I will definitely take it on board to, you know, not come across so much like that and maybe broaden things a little bit. So, that's fair enough. Okay, the review continues. In the last episode I just listened to, you were justifying other people making racist and transphobic remarks and essentially making them yourself, but you just don't see it, and the fact that you're in your early 30s, you probably won't change. <laughs> um, well, but I will just say, first of all, I actually change my views quite a lot, and I still evolve, and, you know, sometimes I'll read something or I'll hear something and it will change how I feel about a certain issue. Even just that, the recent uh, Democratic primary, I had... Uh, that I followed in in America because I really like American politics. Um, I had my views change on a few political issues. So, yeah, I definitely do change. Now, as far as the transphobic stuff goes, I was, like, scratching my head. I'm like, I don't even remember discussing transgender stuff on my show. I remember the thing with um, uh, Bronwyn's son who was cross-dressing, but in that whole segment, I talked about how I used to like wear makeup as a teenager and I grew out of it. And I said, people shouldn't really freak out over Bronwyn's son. Um, So that was like positive to that kind of thing. So I was like, hang on. And then I realized that this person is referring to that Elliot Page segment I did, which is freaking nuts. So calling me transphobic for that is why 
so often people stereotype all progressive lefties as these like triggered little snowflakes that are just outraged by everything. I literally said in that segment that I support trans people and it's great in this day and age that everyone can kind of be themselves and that, you know, I said misgendering people is bad. What I said, which I guess this person is referring to as me, you know, justifying transphobia and defending so-called like transphobic remarks, I defended this Australian TV host who literally the day after Ellen Page announced the transition to Elliot Page, this TV host was talking about the story as you would if you're like presenting a segment, you know, a topical segment. And the host accidentally slipped up and said she instead of he. And, um, she corrected herself on the spot, but like the next day she had to go and apologize on air and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry if I offended people by saying she. And I defended that because it's like, my point was you need to cut some people some slack because we were all used to knowing Ellen Page as Ellen Page with the she pronoun for over a decade. So you can't expect everyone within 24 hours of Ellen Page transitioning to Elliot Page of us rewiring our brains to the new pronoun. You're going to, like, have a slip up. It's human nature. It's a natural human mistake. And I even said in that segment, I was like, you know, if you kept misgendering Elliot months down the line, then, yeah, it's an issue. But you need to give people time to adjust. And honestly, calling me transphobic for that segment just makes trans people look crazy. Because I bet the person who wrote that review is probably like a white cisgender millennial female, because they always are. And she's being offended and outraged on behalf of a community that most likely doesn't feel the same way. I would bet that most trans people in general do not give a fuck about an occasional pronoun slip up when they know that it's not coming from, you know, an evil place or an intentional place when it's just a natural human thing that we do, most trans people are going to understand that. They're going to get that. So please stop policing everybody's speech like some fucking nagging mental case. That is ridiculous. Right, the next part of the review. You come across as entitled and bratty, but I guess that is the part that you're playing in your podcast and most of the time it's funny, but yeah, it's the ignorance for me. Well, that is the part that I'm playing, and I mean, it's who I am, so I guess that's true. (laughs) I'm fine with that. I'm sure I do come across like that. I can't help being shady. I mean, it's just who I am. (laughs) I realize, actually, sometimes I've thrown shade on this podcast, and I haven't even meant- there was, like, I haven't meant it. There was actually a big podcast that I realized on, like, one of my first episodes It sounded like I was shading someone that I'm actually friends with, and I wasn't. But it just- things come out of my mouth, and I don't don't mean them to. And yes, I'm not ignorant. Like I said, I'm, you know, woker than most, but we can agree to disagree on that. Anyway, look, that's the end of their review, and I will say thank you for writing that review and still giving me three stars. Like, I know that that came from a place of constructive criticism and this person was not being a hater. They really were sharing things in a constructive way. And honestly, they're a better person than I am because I have one-starred podcasts before for much less. And now that I have a podcast myself and I know how awful it is to do a one-star review on someone, I would never do that again. So I'm actually really impressed with this person that they were still able to give me three stars while calling me like a racist and everything. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm very impressed. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, if you like the podcast, please leave me a five-star review, everybody <laughs> listening. And 
you know what, if you would like to criticize me, please take a note out of this person's book and do it in, you know, a constructive way. Don't just go like, you mispronounce one word, I'm giving you one star, because I listen back to my podcast when I'm editing it, and I do hear when I mispronounce something if I'm like talking too quickly or whatever and it's kind of embarrassing and I always think in my head oh my god is this gonna is someone gonna be really upset over me mispronouncing this and give me a bad review so yeah let's make it have some substance to it when you're critiquing me and then I don't know if it's juicy enough maybe I'll respond on here if you guys think that's fun because look we can always improve ourselves I think and you know you've got to be like confident in who you are And not just take, like, every criticism on board and, you know, fold over. But at the same time, like, you do need to listen when people are saying things and be open to that because none of us are perfect. So, yeah. Well, that's about it for this week. So, thanks again for listening. There were a few things that I wanted to talk about, but I just think I'll save all the gossipy stuff for next week for the regular show. Like, I want to talk about NeNe Leakes with her stupid boycott of Bravo, which is just so completely insane. And also, I don't know if you've been following it, but there is a beef brewing between Portia and Kenya on Real Housewives of Atlanta because Kenya thinks that Portia's Black Lives Matter activism is fake. And I actually have an interesting take on that. So, I really want to get into that I want to talk about Erica Jane, which, you know, originally I actually wasn't going to cover this Erica Jane stuff, which is strange because I know that it's the biggest story in, like, the Housewives world right now and everyone is, like, completely obsessed with it and they can't get enough with it. Like, my Twitter feed every day is just, like, Erica Jane stuff, but it's such a, like, specific legal kind of case and legal things are just so complicated to me. It just turns into, like, mumbo-jumbo in my head and I thought, you know what, maybe I'll just wait for a court ruling or for it to play out on the show. But now I've actually dug into it a little bit and I'm like, wow, Erica Jane is the worst and I used to be a big fan of her and I I don't know, I just want to talk about going from a fan to just hating her guts. I just think she's awful now. She's the worst. So, (laughs) I'm going to talk about that a little bit more next week. Uh, What else? Oh, did you guys watch the end of The Bachelorette with Tasia? Because I stopped watching the season halfway through. I know I started off strong with the recaps when it started. I was really into the Claire stuff, and then I was recapping Tasia. But it got so boring because there was only so much they could do inside of that hideous resort they were filming in. You know, as you guys know, they couldn't do anything because of COVID. So, they were stuck in this resort. It got really boring really quickly. And Tasia was not as dramatic or as authentic as Claire. I mean, I know that we all wanted to stand Tasia and I do like her. I mean, she's, you know, beautiful and a nice classy girl and she tried her best to do the drama, but you could tell that she was just doing whatever the producers told her, whereas Claire was actually kind of like off her rocker. So, I found Claire more fun, but- Tasia ended up choosing Zach, who is, he's this older guy who, I think he had like a lot of drama in his past. Actually, drama's not the right word. I think he had a lot of turmoil in his past. He was like a drug addict or something, and he may have been a gambling addict. I can't remember because some of their backstories meshed in together for me, but I remember Zach sat Tasia down on one episode and he's like, yeah, I was a drug addict and then I didn't have any money and then I was suicidal and then I stole checks from my dad and then I gambled and then I, you know, stole a plane. Yeah, I mean, it just went on and on of all this stuff that he's done, but apparently he's, you know, worked on himself and he's got it all together now and he's very cute. He actually was one of my favourites and, I mean, we all like someone with a troubled past, don't we, that's, you know, overcome a few things. It's better than the kind of vanilla cardboard cutout guys that they have on The Bachelor. So, 
My prediction for that couple is if Tasia is actually genuine about wanting to find love, they will be able to work on it and make something happen together. But if she just did it for the Instagram, I do not see that working out. Also, one red flag, um, the last guy on The Bachelor, sorry, The Bachelorette, that was very emotional and had issues was Colton, who turned out to be a psychopath. He stalked his girlfriend, Cassie. If you remember, Colton was the virgin that would always cry. Uh, and we all thought that it was really cute that he was a crying virgin. And then after the show, he stalked his girlfriend, Cassie. And if you remember on the show, he ran off into the woods that time, into the woods in Portugal, like he jumped over a fence and then uh, he put a tracking device on a car, like mental case. So I don't know, maybe Tasha needs to be careful of Zach. I like him, but I'm just, you know, if, after what happened with Colton, maybe sleep with one eye open, Tasha. I'm excited for the regular Bachelor to start because they're actually going to have a budget again and, from the trailer, they're doing all the usual stuff that we're used to on The Bachelor, like the expensive dates, and they actually, it's not confined to some ugly resort. So I think that is going to be a lot more fun. What else? Um, I have a Bravo interview next week, which I already told you about. And then I think I have another one after that, which is like 80% locked in, but I'm supposed to touch base with them the day before and, you know, like cement everything. And you never know with these people. They have hectic schedules and things change, but... um. Yeah, a lot of Bravo stuff for the next couple of weeks. And then I want to try and get some um, other non-Bravo people. I mean, you know, I'm always trying to, like, mix it up and just not be doing, like, Housewives constantly. I mean, I'm going to do it every show, but I don't want every show to be, like, 100% Housewives. I'm just a bit, you know, got to mix it up and bring some other things to the table. So, yeah, I'm going to get some non-Bravo guests after that. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I think I'm missing something really important and... As soon as I hit stop on this recording, I'm going to f- kick myself in the fucking teeth, but I'm going to be too lazy to re-record this. Anyway, look, if you want to support the show as usual, um, it is buymeacoffee.com slash popping pod. That money goes towards the million things that I have to pay for, like the uh, recording software that I use. My I'm working on a website now for the podcast, so I've got to pay uh, website fees, hosting fees, uh even with the program that I use to edit the podcast, I pay fees for that. Like, so yes, all of your support goes towards covering all of that. And occasionally my Uber eats bill. Uh, you can follow me on social media, of course, pop Inc pod on Twitter and Instagram. Oh yeah. You know what? Now I remember what I wanted to talk about. This is just really quickly and probably none of you will care. I am so regretting my podcast name now because I didn't realize how basic most podcast titles are. You know, like if you look at the the title of podcasts, they're very simple. Whereas politically incorrect, it's such a tongue twister. I feel like three quarters of people don't even get what I'm referring to with it, <laughs> with the title. When you type in politically incorrect into Google, Google automatically sends you to politically incorrect instead of politically incorrect because they assume that you've misspelled it. I just, I guess I didn't research the name enough. All I did was Google it quickly and I'm like, oh, no one else has taken it. So I don't know. I thought I was so clever and now I'm like, "Mm, maybe I should change the name. I don't know. I could change it to Popping Pod, which is my social media handles on everything. So Popping Pod's kind of cute and punchy. I don't know. If you have an opinion on that, let me know because- Maybe it's just me because I'm a perfectionist, but I swear it's really annoying me when every time I have to type in politically incorrect into Google and it reroutes me to politically incorrect and 
even other people that I've heard have mentioned my podcast, they're like fumbling over the name and they can't say it. I mean, I didn't think it was that complicated, but apparently it is. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's that. So yes, follow me on social media, Popping Pod. Um, support me at Buy Me a Coffee if you would like, and I'll see you next week. Thanks, guys, and happy holidays, happy Christmas, happy New Year's. Bye.